Today, our scripture reading comes from Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 1. I'll give you a moment to find that in your phones or in your Bibles. If you would like to use one of the Pew Bibles, um, this passage is found on page 1002. And that's 1002 of the ESV Pew Bibles. Right, Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he points to a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of, any, of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fail by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. May God bless the reading of his word. I want to welcome up Minister Kola. Good morning. Okay, awesome. All right, let me get set up here a little bit. All right, it is my absolute pleasure to be here in front of you today. Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, it fills me with so much joy to be up in front of you here today. If I was going to have left in my original timeline, which was almost two months ago, I never would have had the opportunity to be before you and preach. And though it is not my, I, I, it's it's because of COVID that I'm still here, and I'm not thankful for COVID. I'm thankful for this opportunity to be with you, to share the word of God with all of you here today, because the word of God is living, it's powerful, it's real, it moves into our hearts. Amen. Oh, you guys respond now. Okay, cool. Um, right. So, I lately I've been um, I've been saying a lot of I've been saying a lot of goodbyes. I've been saying, oh, this is my last this and this and this. But I'm excited because this is the first time I get to preach it for you guys. So, all right. Now, two weeks ago, Chris preached to us about this idea of holding on. Oh, I got a clicker here. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Chris' idea is preached about holding on. And, and, and the sermon title, if you remember, was called Hold On 
part two. Right? And in Hebrews, there, there are these six passages that commend us, that encourage us to hold on. Right? Throughout all of Hebrews, six times where he says, don't lose faith, don't lose hope, hold on to what you know is true, to what you know is good and real. Now, why does in 12 chapters of Hebrews, the author tell us six times to hold on? Well, if, if, you, if you think about the original reader of Hebrews, who is that? What are they going through? Well, they are Jewish Christians who are facing persecution simply for being Christian. So this, this persecution, it was, it was varied throughout the Roman Empire. For some of them, it was physical persecution. For some of them, it meant, it, it meant being thrown into jail. It meant being beaten. For some of them, it meant death. Others, for other people, Jewish Christians in the Roman Empire, this persecution was social. It was, it was your friends and your family who were still holding on to Judaism said, you've betrayed us. Your community telling you, you've betrayed us. Therefore, we want no part of you. So to follow Christ for some of these Jewish Christians meant losing their social networks, their friends, their family, even their jobs. And so the, the book of Hebrews is written to these people to, to say to them, in the midst of, well, they're asking this question, is, is Jesus worth it? Is following Jesus worth giving up everything for? Is, 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 is it better? Should I go back to Judaism? So that, because Judaism is protected under the Roman Empire. It's an official religion. They get special rights. They don't have to do military service. They're protected. They're a protected people. Christians aren't. So the question is, should I go back to Judaism? Is Jesus better? Well, I mean, spoiler, right? Yeah, he is better. Right? And that's, that's what we've been repeating again. That's why we have six passages that hold on, but we're repeating again and again and again and I, I, through every sermon that we speak that Jesus is better. Right? Jesus is better. Isn't that the truth? Isn't Jesus better? But it's, it's still difficult to say Jesus is better because there's a lot of hardship that they're facing. And isn't that true for us too? Isn't it sometimes hard to be a Christian? And these passages that tell us to hold on are meant for us as well. We're meant to declare in our lives everywhere we go, in everything that we do, that Jesus is better. Now, I hope that you guys don't get sick of hearing that. Don't get sick of singing the song, Jesus is better. Don't get sick of this idea that, because we're going to be repeating this for months, that Jesus is better. Now, the specific nuances of, of how Jesus is better, that's what we're going to be getting into today in the text. And today, specifically, we're going to be talking about rest. It's called striving to rest. Now, it's funny because as I, was, as I was sharing with some people that I was like, oh, yeah, what are you going to be preaching on? And I was like, rest. They were like, well, that's ironic because, Cola, you uh, don't rest very much. <laughs> when, we, when we were in a, our, our uh, Crossbridge core leadership meeting, one of our introduction questions was, what's your favorite time of the day? And so a lot of people were like, you know, morning, afternoon, you know, sometimes the evening. And I was like, uh, it's like from 10 p.m. to 2 or 3 in the morning. It's my favorite time of the day. Same thing for Pastor Jeff, too. We probably don't sleep enough, right? But we, we, we love to work hard, and maybe we don't rest well, right? So this, this has been a sermon where it's not just the text preached to you, but it, it's something that I have to 
wrestle with and struggle with too. What does it mean to strive to rest? What does it mean that God gives his rest? I'm preaching just as much to myself. And honestly, that's, that's why I raise my voice because I'm encouraging myself. Cola, I need to rest. Right. So we get into the text. The first point that I want to make today is that there's an invitation for you to rest. If you're, if you're looking in, in your Bibles, you notice in this passage there's three indentations. Right. There are three quotations, and they're from Psalm 95. And, and they say, I swore, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. It repeats again, verse 5. They shall not enter my rest. It repeats again. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, these quotations are coming from Psalm 95. And Psalm 95, what this, what this chunk of text is talking about is Israel, God leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. And as he led them out of Egypt, they saw all the ten, the ten plagues were God showing all your gods of Egypt, I'm stronger than you. I'm better than you. And he led them into the wilderness, and they defeated some enemies, and they got to the edge of the promised land. They were right there on the ledge of the promised land. And they sent spies in the promised land. And the spies said, the promised land is everything that God has promised, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's everything that God said it would be. But then they also said, hey, there's some powerful enemies in there. God said he'd take care of it, but there's some powerful enemies. And what did Israel do? What did Israel do as they got right up to the edge of the promised land? And God said, there's my rest for you. Well, you guys know the story. They turned. They turned around. And not only was it simply an action of turning around and wanting to go back to Egypt, but what their heart says is that, God, I don't trust you. God, I don't believe in your promises. Though I've tasted and I've seen, literally, I saw you come in the pillar of fire at night, in the cloud and day. I've seen you lead us day by day. I've seen you to help us defeat enemies that we couldn't defeat. God, when I'm here, when I'm faced with this difficulty, I don't trust you. I don't believe you. I'm going to turn around. They're turning from the promised land back to Egypt. It says, God, I know you brought freedom, but I'm going to go back into my sin. I'm going to go back into what held me captive because that's safe. Because, because that's what I know. I'd rather do that than trust you into the unknown. And so there's a warning today, right? This passage is simple. It says there's an invitation for you to rest today just as there was for Israel as they got up to the promised land. There's an invitation offered for you. Don't turn back like they did. Move into the rest. Cross that threshold and come into the rest that God gives you today. As I I was thinking about what what it's like to move into a threshold, I I thought about um, when I was in middle school, I, I really, I, I, I like the store, uh, Pinkberry, right? Because Froyo, uh, you know, I was in middle school in the mid-2000s. Froyo wasn't a thing that I knew. I grew up in Connecticut, you know, there's nothing cool there. Um, there's nothing, like, happening there, you know. The, the, the coolest thing about living in Connecticut is being between Boston and New York, really. 
And so, so like, I, I, but I was, I was serving the internet one day and I came across Pinkberry. I was like, Froyo, I have no idea what this is. Sounds delicious. And I even like, I, I, I heard the theme song for Pinkberry. It's like, sorry, yogurt, I'm thinking of a frozen dessert. Pinkberry shaped ice and frozen yogurt. I was like, I love that song. That song was like on heavy rotation for me. So I was like, one day, one day there's a Pinkberry in New York. There's some in California. One day I will go and taste Froyo at Pinkberry. It was me in middle school. And in high school, a sophomore in high school, we were visiting some of my cousins in Huntington Beach in California. And, and as, I, as I was walking around with my brother, my mom gave us some money just to spend. I saw, I saw in the distance a pinkberry. I'm like, it's there. Oh my gosh, I've been waiting years to try pinkberry. It's been on a heavy rotation on my playlist, that, that 90 second jingle. I'm like, yes, pinkberry for shaved ice and frozen yogurt. And, you know, I'm, I'm so ready to go in, right? And so I see it in the distance. My brother knows. My whole family knows. I love pinkberry. Or I, I think I love pinkberry. I'm not sure yet. And so, and so when we're across the street, my brother's like, are you ready to go? Are you ready to try it? And I had this moment where I was like, you know, I'm not sure. I was like, I, I've, you know, I, 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 was, I'm, I'm, I was and I still am kind of a shy guy. And I was like, you know, I've, I've never... I don't know how to order Froyo. <laughs> like, I've never been into a Froyo store before. I'm like, well, well, I, I don't know. I, I, I was starting to get scared, starting to get nervous. I was, and, then, and then, like, as we were right in front of the door, I turned to my brother and I say, you know, I, I think I, I'm good. I don't need to go inside. <laughs> right? How silly is that? How crazy is that? It's just like, you've been waiting years for this. You know the jingle by heart. And it's like, I, w- I was there and I was like, oh, I feel scared for some reason about going inside. Now, now, ultimately, my brother was like, no, just get in there, like, you know, being a big brother. And then I ate it, and it was really, really delicious. But it's that idea of, like, it's something that you've been waiting for and expecting. It's good. And you didn't, you didn't grasp hold of that. And now, that's not just for Israel. That's not just for me and Pinkberry. But it's also for us today, too, when it talks about rest. Right? There, there's a portion in there where it says, today. It says, today, that's offered to you. The invitation to rest today is offered to you. You're at the door. You're at the threshold. Jesus says, come into my rest. Come into my pink berry, right? (sighs) Will you come into God's rest today? Now, it's an invitation not just to rest. It's not just like a, a physical rest, not just like getting more sleep on the weekends, it's God's rest. It's characterized in this passage by two things. It says, enter into the rest that God had on the seventh day in verse 4. Now, if, if you look at the, 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 the story of creation, Genesis 1 and 2, it, it, there's a lot of repetition in there. One of the repetitions is it was day and night on the first day, on the second day, on the fourth day, on the fifth day, on the sixth day. But it never says that about the seventh day. Right? And then in, in the seventh day, it says, God, that's the day he rested. And it's not just the day he rested, it's the, it's the day he said, he looked at all of creation and said, not only is it good, it's very good, it's super good, it's exactly how it's supposed to be. There's nothing else there. Right? That's, that's what we've been waiting for, it's what we've been longing for. You know, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, they, they lost that rest. They lost that connection with God. There's, and, and, and when you see the results of sin entering in the world in Genesis 3, everything became tiresome and troublesome. There was lack of rest. And what we're offered today is 
the seventh day rest. He says, that's available to you today. Where God is in that rest, in that seventh day, where life is how it's supposed to be, that's offered to you today. You're standing at the threshold today, and God says, there's an invitation for you to come into my rest. And he also compares this rest to entering into the promised land, and it says it's actually something greater than that. Because if, if you know the story, right, the generation, they turned away from God. They wanted to go back to Egypt. God punished them. They wandered around 40 years in the wilderness. Then another generation came up, and they actually entered the promised land, and they came into the rest of God. And they were there, and it was good for a generation. And then the next generation, they immediately turned their hearts away from God. And it says, if, if that rest, if that land was enough, then we wouldn't be having this conversation today about rest. But it turns out it's not. That land wasn't enough. And do you know why that land wasn't enough? Because the real problem of rest isn't a physical place. And now, for us, the real problem of rest isn't trying to get a better job, isn't trying to get into school, isn't trying to be in a relationship. The real problem of rest is our heart. The real problem of rest for them in the promised land wasn't actually getting into the land. It was a heart that turned away from God. And he says, the rest offered to you today is better than that. It's not just a physical land. It's not just more sleep. But it is a rest that comes into your heart. It's better than the promised land. It's better than any physical thing that you could want. That's the rest that's offered to you today. So there's an invitation for you to enter in to God's rest. Standing at the threshold of the land. Psalm 95 says, don't be like the Israelites who turned away from God. They said, God, I don't trust you. The invitation to rest is God's rest. And what's implied, what is said, understated in the text, is that it comes from Jesus. Right? That a true rest, to enter into God's rest, comes not through our own effort, but it comes through Jesus, his redeeming work on the cross. The fact that he took all of our sin and he died for it and he rose again declaring victory over sin, that came, that, that rest of God that's better than anything physical, that's better than a job, that's better than experiences. You know, it's like they said for our parents' generation, what they wanted were physical things, a house, two kids, a car. But they said for us, we, we're, we're not as, for, for millennials, for people who are Gen Z, we're not as materialistic. What we want are experiences. So we go on vacations, we go on trips, we have Instagram, we have all these things, and we think these things are going to give us rest, and they don't. Our hearts are never satisfied. But you know what satisfies our hearts? It's Jesus, the cross, knowing that we are redeemed. So this rest comes through Jesus, comes through the cross. And it's offered to you today. There's no more striving. There's no more struggling. The salvation is a free gift offered. And now the question is, will you take that invitation? Will you take that invitation? Because Jesus is there. Standing at the threshold. You're there standing at the threshold. Will you take that invitation? Now, it, 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 it's a simple message today, right? Rest is offered to you. Will you take it? Now, 
And we talk about, now what do we do, right? If that's true, sure, okay, our rest is offered to us. What, what are we supposed to do with that? How do I move into that threshold? How do I, how do I cross that line and, and move into God's rest? Well, the first thing that the passage says is striving. Strive to enter the rest. Now, I think strive is an interesting word because strive is usually like a work harder. It, it's in uh, one of the ways that a commentary wrote is that striving is um, it's to do your best, to give your full attention, right? And I feel like in English, we, we, don't, we don't have like, like uh, such punchy words as, as like Asian languages, right? Because like in Chinese, you're like, jayo, right? Jayo, or uh, Japanese, ganbate. Or if you, if you guys watch Korean, drama, Korean dramas, him they say all, right? It's like, yes, like, or, or it's like if you watch more sports, kind of, you know, like anime or something like that, it's like, fighting, right? You know, it's like, go for it. Yeah, it's like, we, it, it, it's, it's that sign. It's like, do your best. Jayo, you can do it. Enter into the rest. Isn't that a weird word? It's like, strive to enter rest. It's like, if you kick down the doors and say, I'm going to work hard to get rest. That's a weird one, right? But what, how rest is described, what's characterized, sorry, how the striving is described, how it's characterized is by the Word of God. It's a little small. Okay. It's by the Word of God, right? And it says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces it cuts past the bones, the tendons, the muscles. It pierces to the heart. Now, this, this, this idea of, a, of a, a two-edged sword, you might be thinking of like, you know, like a, like a Roman gladiator from the sheath. He brings out a sword. Right? No, but actually, uh, there's a different word for that in Greek. And, and, and those swords actually aren't very sharp. Those swords just hurt people. Right? The, the kind of sword that this is talking about is something like more of like something a fisherman would use. Um, to dissect a fish, to move, remove the guts, to get to the bone, for precise dissecting work. Now, recently, uh, uh, this is my this is my chef's knife. This is my favorite knife. It's a ten inch. What? Okay, it's a ten inch. It's a ten inch knife. Uh, Victor Knox. They make really good cheap knives. If you want one, I'm gonna give you a recommendation. And so this is my normal knife, right? And it's it's kind of a big one. It's a Western style chef's knife, and it's 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 a really great knife. But recently, I bought a new knife. It's a little bit smaller. It's a six-inch. It's a six-inch knife. The handle is mahogany. But what I love about this knife is it's light, but it's so sharp. It's good for precise work. If you're if you're cutting up, if you need to cut up some meat from its bones, it's precise. It's sharp. It's light. It really gets there. That's the kind of knife we're talking about. The Word of God. It's precise and it cuts. And what is it cutting to? Well, the 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 what it's cutting to is your intentions. It's cutting to your heart. It's moving past all, all that you're just putting in through your day and all that stuff. It gets to who you really are and what you really care about. And when it says strive, that striving is not just work harder. That striving is the Word of God. Are you letting the Word of God cut down to your heart, your thoughts, your intentions? The Word of God. Are you letting it pierce your heart, dissect you? There's a question. It's a convicting one for me. You know, in our church, in CB, we don't preach fluffy sermons that are super anecdotal, that are just motivational. We preach the Word of God. 
We preach the word of God here in the sermons. Okay, so as you're listening to a sermon today, right, there, there might be specific things that you, you, you don't think I did well in the sermon. Maybe it's actually Jesus. Maybe it's some applicational stuff. Maybe I just glanced over something that you thought was important, right? Maybe you just think I'm boring. That's fine. But still, this is the word of God. And the question is, are you striving today? Are you striving to let the word of God, as it's preached from the pulpit, pierce your heart and show you where your heart and where your mind is today. There's a lot of people from alive here. You guys just had small group night out. You guys, you guys study the word, you guys hear Taylor preach, you guys share with each other. As you're in alive, are you letting the word of God, are you striving or are you just kind of passively listening, passively okay, not actually trying, are you not putting the jayo into your, your time to let the word of God show your heart not just for a live student, that's all of you. As you're in Kirsten ICF, as you're in a home group, if you're not in a home, you know, as, as, you're stu- as you're reading the word every night, right? I, uh, again, I, you know, my, my favorite time of the day is, is, is anywhere from 10 to 2, sometimes 3 in the morning. And, and often that's, that's when I'm going to sleep. I go to sleep late, like 2 or 3 in the morning. And I'm exhausted always, but my, my routine is to read the word before sleeping. It's at least three chapters a day. It's kind of a lot. And as I'm tired, I have a decision to make. It's sometimes a conscious decision, sometimes not. But, I, but I can, I, I, as I'm reading the Word, I can say, okay, I can, I can just get through the chapters and get that check mark, or I can engage my heart in the Word of God and let the Word of God be like a mirror reflecting where my heart intentions are. I can let it cut and dissect me and see where my heart is, where my intentions are. Are you striving to let the Word of God dissect and pierce and show and reveal truly where your heart is? Because if you have, because it's a heart for Jesus is where we find rest. It's faithfulness to Christ is where we find rest. It's through the redemptive work of His death and resurrection on the cross where we find rest for our souls. So, where are your hearts today as you're listening to a sermon? Is it going to be something that five minutes after the sermon, you'd be like, cool, I don't remember anything. Maybe remember Pinkberry, right? That's the first thing, striving. That's the first applicational point. It says, strive to enter the rest. But striving isn't just do more work. It's examining your hearts, dissecting your hearts, turning the mirror and saying, where are your hearts? Where are your intentions? That's how you enter into God's rest. The second thing is actually just resting. <laughs> it's actually just resting. You know, if you, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you said, Jesus, you are the Lord, you are the Son of God, you did die for my sin, and you rose again declaring victory over sin, and therefore I have hope not just in death, but in life now. If you've made that declaration, you've actually, you've actually entered into that rest. You've said, I believe. I'm here. God, I've accepted your rest. And so, so it's it just sit down in that rest, right? Yeah, get in that rest. Now, why is it so hard all the time to, to, to feel like we're rested, to feel like our hearts are so anxious all the time? There's so much going on. There's so many worries. There's so, why, why is it so hard to enter into that rest, even though we've already accepted Jesus? So, I, I, again, I, I had to turn into myself, right? 
Like, I, I, I had to point the mirror at myself. I had to let the word of God dissect my heart. And so I said, you know, God, why, why do I? What keeps me from rest? Why am, I, why, am I, why am I putting so much work? Why am I so anxious? You know, and, 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 and there's a part of it where I think, you know, there, there's, 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 there's things that are good, right? Like, I, I work hard because, like, I, I care about this community. I care about you guys. I love you guys a lot with all my heart. I want to serve you guys. It's, it's gifting and calling, right? I, everything about, but, but also, too, there, there, as I searched my heart, I was like, there are some things that keep me from rest. Right? And so, here we go. It's a moment of vulnerability. Here, here are four things that, 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 that are just exposed about my own heart, right? I often worry if I'm good enough. I, just, I do. I'm like, you know, I, 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 I think that if I just work hard enough, uh, I'll, just, uh, I'll be accepted. That you'll see how much how hard I work. There's, there's a lot of times where I, I feel lonely. I miss my family in Taiwan, thank them going back to them. But I felt lonely, and I try to push away all those feelings by just doing more work. Sometimes I feel like my worth comes from how much work, how much output I'm putting out. Those are some things that keep me from resting. And as I examine my own heart, I realize that the cross of Jesus speaks to every single one of those things. I worry about if I'm good enough. Truth is, I'm not. I'm a sinner, right? Every, as a sinner, you're like, I, I, I live, my existence is in opposition to God. The only thing I deserve right now is death because I'm a sinner. Yet, because of Christ, because of the cross, I am impugned with righteousness. I'm not good enough, but God has declared me good enough through Jesus. If I work hard enough, I'll be accepted. Well, I'm accepted because Jesus died on the cross for me. He chose me. He loves me. I feel lonely but it's like, I, you know, it's like I realize that through the church, through the cross, we are united as a family, right? That my worth comes from Christ, not just my work. So therefore, I can rest. Right? So I don't know what you're going through, what the things in your life are, but would you submit those to Christ today? Right? Would you take a moment this week, of, or maybe today, of just reflecting and said, what, what are the things that are keeping me from resting in God? And would you submit that to Christ? Because rest is available to you. It's an invitation to you. You've accepted Christ. You can, you can just sit in that rest. Now, uh, there, there are some of you who, who are new, or maybe some of you who haven't been here in a long time. Or maybe there are some of you who've been here for a long time, and it's just never done anything for you. It's never meant anything for you. And you're saying, yeah, I want that rest. Well, that invitation, it doesn't matter if you don't know who gave it to you. Right? And so I, I, I pray that if, 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 there's, if, if, if that speaks to you, if there's something resonating in your heart that says, I want to know Jesus a little bit more today, or, I, or maybe even I just want to know Jesus today, would you, would, you, would you stick around with us as we continue through the series? as we continue to think about what it means that Jesus is better. And if you have questions, if you want to talk more, would you come find me? Would you come on Pastor Jeff? Would you find Minister Patrick? Because we, we want to have these conversations with you. And you know what? That's not just extended to people who are non-believers. That's extended to all of you. If God is resonating in something in your heart today says, I need God's rest. I need to know Jesus 
I want to, I've been gone for a while and maybe I need to know Jesus more. You can come find us because that rest is an invitation for you. Not just to rest, but to know Jesus. So, would you rest in him today? Would you strive to rest? For me, I know that the next few months are going to be a little crazy for me. I finish working here in a week. I move, down, I move down back to Connecticut with my parents. After that, as I wait for a passport to come for me to be able to go to Taiwan, then I can see my family after quarantining in Taiwan for two weeks. I haven't seen my family at that time. It would be about a year and four months. There's a lot of anxiety that I feel. I hate change. I want life to be stable as possible. There's a lot that is honestly really nerve-wracking for me and scary for me. And my natural impulse is just to do more, to do more. And, you know, there, there are some things that I do need to do. But I feel like I'm challenged today personally in my life right now. Like Jesus has said, Kola, there's an invitation to rest. Come into my rest. And so, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to cross that threshold. I'm going to try to come just rest in Christ. All of my worries and anxieties to come and rest in him. And that invitation is extended for you today too. Would you come and rest in Christ? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you extend your rest to us. Lord, we're thankful that you have never left us, God. That you've always been good, that you've always been faithful, you've been kind, you've been near so, Lord, you give us your rest. Help us, Jesus. We need you. Help us to rest, Lord. Pray that in your name. Amen.